Hello and welcome to Little Inspirations with me, Declan Lawn. This is a podcast about the things in our lives, some big, some little, that help us get through those difficult times, the things that inspire us. So it could be anything from your favourite piece of art to a poem that just sticks in your head, a song that gives you strength, or that movie that you can just watch again and again. It's a podcast about the little building blocks of our well-being, the things that we rely on. Every week I'll be talking to a range of guests from various fields, from politics to the arts, business and academia. The show is made in conjunction with Inspire Wellbeing. My guest this week is David Johnston. David is a social entrepreneur, the founder of clothing company Outside In, and its business model is based on fostering interactions and human connection. It's all about using the fashion industry as a vehicle for social change. David Johnston, you're very welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. So first of all, tell me where you're uh, speaking to me from. Uh, does lockdown mean you're working from home or where are you? Yes. So um, I am working from Collybaggy. I'm working from my living room. Um, and that has kind of been my hub for the past year. How's it been? Um, it's been challenging um i feel like you kind of just get used to it as well and i i kind of fear what what does life look like when we go back to normality in terms of um social interaction engagement but um i kind of still would go up to the offices up in belfast once or twice a week and it really you kind of just appreciate how yeah you kind of miss community i think i'm very much an extrovert at heart um i do love my own time and I, i i do love that at the weekends but i really do love um face-to-face um, interaction I think we really do miss that and I think any time when the lockdowns kind of came out and you were able to see people in um, in gardens or whatever you, you just realized how much you missed it so I kind of with the lockdowns go up and down in cycles of um, excitement um, and I also uh, I'm in a long distance relationship so my my girlfriend lives in New York so that's been quite challenging in that I haven't been able to go over there at all and we've been going out for over a year and I still haven't met her parents either so you, uh, New York to Kalibaki is quite a quite a long <laughs> distance, all right. But you know, I feel exactly the same. And one of the things that's almost disconcerting me, I think, as we go on, is I'm getting more and more used to my social circle getting smaller. I mean, I still talking to my wife, the guy that I write drama with, Adam Patterson. We talk a lot, but I'm getting a little bit too, um, I think, complacent about the idea that I, I'm probably talking to a lot less people than I used to talk to and getting used to it in the first lockdown, I wasn't used to it, but now I'm getting used to it and that scares me a little bit. Yeah. Cause I think social media is one of those things that we say it opens us up to the world, but when it comes to actual meaningful relationships that we kind of had before lockdown, I feel like a lot of those have actually decreased in terms of there's a lot of close friends I would have had that I've maybe stayed out of contact with for the last year. So I think, yeah. as you say, I'm very similar in that boat of like actually people that I interact with and engage with, meaningful relationships has definitely decreased it's going to be really interesting to see the upshot of all this as as time goes on once things open up again maybe we snap back like an elastic band very quickly into the old ways or maybe there's some kind of lasting effects at at this point absolutely nobody knows i guess yeah and i think even like when you're watching tv i'm sure you're the same like you watch whether it's football matches or movies and you see like crowded um cities or buses or trains and it looks so unnatural so I think we've even become accustomed to 
this sort of life that we used to live is so unnatural. Um, so it's kind of what you say, like, do we just go back and everything's normal again? Or does it take time to adjust to social interaction and Royal Avenue being packed again? I know it's hard to imagine, isn't it? It's just so hard to imagine. Tell me um, a little bit about your company outside in, about the, the genesis of the idea and what the company does. Yeah, so we started in December 2016. Um, I kind of call it like a business with purpose. I never had any kind of background in fashion, but I was kind of motivated by stories. And I just love that stories connect people. Um, kind of got inspired through stories of those people experiencing homelessness. And that kind of really brought it to clothing creates identity. And I wanted to create identity through clothing that stood for something more than just what you put on. Um, and that's kind of when I created this concept we call wear one, share one. So every purchase that a customer buys, we provided an additional product that we give to someone experiencing homelessness. So we kind of birthed that in 2016 and we're four, nearly five years down the line. Um, and we've donated over 60,000 products across the world. So if I buy a hoodie or a T-shirt or whatever, a second one is manufactured and yes. you, give, you give it to a homeless person or I do? Well, things have kind of changed with lockdown because the, the initial model, and it will go back to this, is that we actually seen that when I started this on my own in this room, actually, um, I always wanted to empower the customer to be a part of the giving process. So I was like, the only way that we can truly see change within um, people experiencing homelessness is by getting to know them and hearing their stories. And the one way we do that is by stopping to say hello. So I kind of saw the products as a tool that kind of provoked you or helped you engage and stop. And because we were kind of mainly online, that was a great way that I was like, it doesn't matter where you're from, you can be a part of this. So we started with that and that's kind of where most of the story has kind of been a part of. And then at the minute we do that on behalf of the customer, because during COVID, we don't really want to be encouraging people to um, be actually spreading um, diseases to people who are already vulnerable. But, but how, the, how this is going to work ideally when we get back to some kind of normal is that uh, if I order from you online, I, I pay for one item, you send me two, and I, I myself will give it to a homeless person. Yeah, so it started with beanies and we do the way we kind of work it is any hat product gets a hat. And then if you ordered, say, a sweater, you get three pairs of socks and socks are one of the most needed items for people experiencing homelessness. So then you would get three pairs of socks to give out. So it's not a like for like because we work with charities to find out to see what the need is. Um, and when it comes right. to thermal beanies, that's really a need. Socks are really a need. And then we're constantly innovating those products um, and diversifying that collection. But it's, um, yeah, you buy a hat, you get an additional hat. And the challenge is that you have to give it to someone um, that you would meet on the street. In a, in a genuine face-to-face -face interaction. Yeah, which is a, bit, um, is a daunting challenge. and it, definitely, it is daunting. Yeah, it is daunting. It's not our natural. And I think that's kind of when I did street photography in Edinburgh, I never had um, that experience of, speaking to people um, who were experiencing homelessness, but it was my camera that kind of en engaged me to chat to people. And that was my tool of engagement where I was like telling them kind of here, this is what I do. I take, do street photography. What's your story? And when I said, what's your story, that really opened up um, so much right. more where I realized everyone has a unique story and it's, we just need a reason to stop. So 
obviously this podcast is called Little Inspirations and I try and divine the little inspirations in people's lives. So can I take it that this this experience you've had doing street photography in Edinburgh was the inspiration for Outside In? Huge. Um, 2014 is kind of when I started that. And I've always been fascinated with stories. Like I'm the type of person that loves sitting in those coffee shops that's on a really busy street, just kind of looking out the window and seeing so many unique people walking past and nearly trying to wonder, wonder what they're going today, like what they're going through, where they're going. So this street photography page for me was a great opportunity for me to stop someone in the street. Um, just because it was a Facebook page, it gave me that opportunity to say, hey, would love to know your story or hey, do you mind if I take your photo? And I realized when you say that with confidence, most people say yes. There was a lot of rejection at the start when you said it with a bit of nervousness. But when you actually approach the conversation with um, kind of joy and, and kind of a belief in what you're doing, people naturally like, yeah, sure, what's it about? And then you, it started that conversation. And within 15 minutes, I had so many people's life stories in front of me. And I just loved that everyone had a story. See, this is it, it's really fascinating to me that, that that the camera can open up carrying a camera, just having it in your hand can open up all of that space and all of those stories. It's 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 an incredible it's an incredible thing that people are willing to to tell you their stories. Yeah, and I, honestly, I, it, you never started with like, hey, what's your biggest regret? Like, that's not something yeah. to naturally stop someone on the street and ask. It would yeah. usually start with like, how's your day going? Or why are you here? Oh, I'm here because mm. my granddaughter's in the shop. I, I'm actually from Edinburgh, or I'm from Glasgow. I'm over visiting. So it started very vague. But within 15 minutes, I realized like, just because I had my camera and I had this page, it kind of gave me this confidence of, I'd say, I, I would love to know more about your story. And I think people, when they realized the heart behind this, the page was that, everyone can connect to a story. It doesn't matter where that person's from. There was a buy-in that people were like, I'd say I want to share my story because it could be of worth to someone else or the experiences I've been through could help someone else. And that page really much involved, evolved then into the stories of people experiencing homelessness. And that's the real ones that really caught my heart because these were people sitting on some of the busiest streets in Edinburgh, but nobody was stopping to say hello. But when I heard their name and I heard their story, I was like, there's so much value and worth here that this person deserves to be heard, but they're they're being ignored. So you put this on a Facebook page? What was it called? It was called Humans of Edinburgh. So I ran it with a friend um, from, we were at university in Scotland, in Stirling. So we would travel down to Edinburgh um, once a week, and then we would upload these stories onto it. It, was it inspired by Humans of New York, that similar yes, project there? 100%. I'm not going to take credit for uh, the Human series, but it was actually um, the Humans of New York was the kind of the first one to be out there. And I just loved that. I think his name is Brandon Stratton, maybe. And I just loved that he had so many unique people involved and so many different stories. And I felt like most of them I could read and relate in some sort of way. So that kind of was the heart behind starting to walk down the streets of Edinburgh with this camera and even learning how he approached the situation. He would say stuff like, don't approach someone from behind, make sure you, you approach them from forward, um, sit down on a park bench. You'll actually realize it's more awkward for someone to leave a park bench. You've got more of an opportunity to hear their story because it's they're going to sit and have a, a conversation. And so when you were doing this, what was um, what was the percentage of people particularly homeless people that you approached who, who agreed to talk to you? When it came to um, 
people experiencing homelessness, most, I would say nine out of 10 would have wanted really? me to sit down. They were always, the main thing I, I got, and this is what really challenged me with the business was why, why are you giving me your time? And what I realized more than money, more than food, what they really valued was quality time. It was someone sitting down and hearing their story because I would say, do you want any money? Sometimes they would say, I'm okay, actually. Or sometimes they would maybe want food, but they actually valued me sitting beside them, chatting to them and listening more than anything else. And, and implicit in that question of theirs, why are you giving me your time? There's, a, there's an implicit belief that I guess that they felt they weren't worth that time. 100%. And I think the more I sat beside people and looked up, you could see some of the looks they were being given. You could see some of the negative stereotypes that we all kind of are accustomed to as we grow up. A collection we did recently was all around the word stranger. And I think mm. we're, we're known as stranger danger. So if this is somebody we don't know, we don't associate with them, we don't give them our time. So I think I, I was always just fascinated that people don't know these stories, but they're quick to judge whether they see a bottle of alcohol, whether mm. they see a cigarette, they would quickly create a perception of not the hurt behind the person or the story. They're more quickly to see what is that person doing and whether they agree with it or not. But here's what's interesting to me about the situation, right? So, so photography is your inspiration and the particular uh, photographic project Humans of New York is your direct inspiration. But I, I know a lot of, photographers, a lot of writers, a lot of journalists who, who delve into people's lives. Uh, and in a sense, some, some of them, including me at times, have felt that it can be a bit of an exploitative uh, process, um, that you're doing it for your own artistic end game. But you seem to have gone off in a completely different direction. It see, this experience seems to have inspired you basically to devote the next few years of your life to try and help these people. Can you tell me about that? Because you could just as easily have said, I'm going to bank these photographs. I'm going to you know, go now and get a job in a, a big photography magazine and be an international photographer. Why did you decide to become a social entrepreneur and try and help the people that you just documented? Yeah, that's a good question. I think the main thing for me was... Um, I guess fashion was never something I was interested in. So it was more, I, I had those lucrative offers after university. I'd, I'd studied really, like I, I was kind of a nerd when it came to university. So I, I did get my first class honours degree and there was very lucrative offers there for like firms in London and it was all around. And, like and what, what did you, what were you studying photography? I did business management, but I loved right, okay. photography. So I saw myself more in the creative marketing visual side of things. Um, and there was a lot of firms I was looking at in London and it was one of those things I was like, I'm passionate about stories and photography. I want to somehow, this is my tool was to connect people in the streets, how do I connect society? And it, that kind of drove me to this point where I was like, I could easily go down the route and get into the rat race. But actually what I want to do here is something that's maybe slightly different. So I looked, I, I started looking to see what opportunities are out there that could involve storytelling but also like helping people. And there wasn't much there other than Tom's, um, which is a shoe based company that created a tangible given aspect. And they call it one for one where they would yes. give a pair of shoes to someone less fortunate every time you bought one. So, yeah, I was going to bring this up actually uh, as another potential inspiration, because when, when I heard about outside in and read about it for people listening who don't know the Tom shoe company basically promises every time you buy a pair of their shoes, they will, I either buy or donate a pair of shoes for a child in a developing country. Is that right? Is that what they do? Yes. Think? So it's South America's kind of 
where he, he got his inspiration from. Um, and they've they've now kind of expanded that around the world where they're given shoes across like Europe um, and South America. So, so this becomes your inspiration? Yes. So I read I read his book. Um, and from that... Who's, when you say his, what, what's his, who's he? Um, what is his name? Blake Mikowski. Blake Mikowski. So Blake... Blake basically started this company and kind of he had looked at so many different ways of giving like the 10% of your profits and that sort of thing. But he wanted to create a business model, which actually created a tangible element. And he said that way people felt more of a buy-in because they got to put on the shoes, feel the comfort of the shoes, knowing someone else felt that same comfort. Inspired by that, I was like, right, I want to do something similar in that clothing creates identity. And it was something in marketing that always stood out for me was they say that clothing creates identity so much so that a loss of a clothing item could could actually lead to people feeling a loss of identity. And I found that hard to believe that you could lose a jumper and feel less of yourself. So I was like, well, if we're going to put our identity in something, I want to create a purpose around that clothing. Um, Volunteered, then came back from university to Belfast. And I volunteered with a few charities just to even get a feel of understanding of homelessness in Northern Ireland. And what I realized was that a lot of the items that were being given out in the street were second hand. They weren't brand new. And I looked at some of them and I was like, I would never want to wear this. Never mind. I'm now trying to promote this to give to someone on the street. But can, can I ask you, did you always growing up in Tullybacky, um have a kind of civic minded aspect to the way you looked at life or, or, or did this all come about because of humans of Edinburgh? I mean, was it a, was it a light bulb moment or is this, is this a part of your personality that's always been there? I think I've always been someone who likes to be pushed to like experience new things. So I've always been a risk taker, but I've always loved being someone who is challenged to think differently. So whether, I I know most of my friends would have loved to go to Spain for their summer holidays. I always wanted to go to somewhere like Egypt or Russia or Mm -hmm. Vietnam, because for me, I wanted to learn about different cultures, different histories, different ways of living and helping different communities. So I think it's always been ingrained in me through um, maybe a church background or through my parents. Um, I think it was always this, don't just take things the way they are, see how other people experience things. So in in a lot of those travels, I think it opened my mind to think differently and not just to be close-minded about one topic. Because it is um, a very, very interesting decision. You know, you finish university, you've got lots of offers on the table in London, very lucrative offers, but you come back here uh, and instead of you know walking into the the city in London and getting off the tube, you're walking around Belfast talking to homeless people, wondering out how you, wondering how you can help them. It's quite, I mean, it's quite a decision. Yeah, like I think when I came back, I said to mum, kind of give me one room, um, and a small amount of money, and she was just like, look, this is kind of what you have to start because she was like, I can't really give you anything else other than this one room as long as you leave it the way you 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 kind of you had it. Now it's kind <laughs> of turned into, say, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of turned into a living room at the minute, but I kind of stacked everything in here at the start, and those first six months were tough. Like, I mean, I couldn't afford to go to the cinema, couldn't afford to go mm. to friends' stag parties or weddings. Um, it very much was. I'm going to give this six months. See how the this kind of research goes. And if this isn't a success in a year or I'm not able to sustain myself, I'm going to have to then reconsider what I do. Okay, well, I want you to break this down for me, right? Because um, I am not an entrepreneur. 
I, I don't have that side to my personality. Um, and, but I am genuinely really fascinated in how people like you with an empty room and an idea in their head set about starting up a business. I mean, how many people do you employ now? So we are on 19. Right. You've got 19 people that you're employing. How do you go from you coming home from uni, sitting in that room to employ 19 people? Like what, what actually happens? Um, first six months were brainstorming. So that was like logo. Um, that was what products am I going to sell? And it's kind of, it's one of those things that you have to learn everything yourself. So Google and YouTube is your friend. Um, I was also fortunate that my friend at university, I'm, I've always been a dreamer, so I, I can cast vision, I can lead, I, I love that sort of things. But when it comes to the numbers, not my strong point at all. Right. My friend um, at university was an accountant, but from Northern Ireland. So he very much gave me a lot of advice at the start of even how do you set up a business and all that kind of stuff that maybe I didn't have the experience to. So he very much helped in the practical elements of setting that stuff up, whereas I got to think, more how does this concept work what's the pitfalls of people taking advantage of the concept what do people want to wear like beanies or something that everyone wears in northern ireland throughout the year so i had to start and think of my my target market and that sort of thing but it yeah i think it was it wasn't an overnight kind of one to 19 it very much was the first year and a half of do everything you can and that would have meant sometimes going to an event and it was an absolute disaster and then you'd go to the, another event the next week and it would be such a success. So it was very much trial and error and not giving up and really believing in why, you, why you're why you trying to achieve this. And so and so how the, the business model is essentially outside in is online. Um, yeah. you, you go on, you browse the, the clothes that you like. It, it comes just like any uh, online mail order uh, fashion store. Um, and then... But of course, then there's this extra element where you get an extra piece of clothing, socks or whatever, and 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 there's a moral imperative that you give it to someone who's homeless. That's, I mean, it's what an idea. Yeah, I think when I first started off, the big challenge was people were like, "David, that's crazy." I remember when I came up with the idea, people like telling friends and family, and they're like, "David, that's stupid. Like, people are going to just take two items. They're getting a good deal." And I was yes. Like, true but i created the concept so that you could choose whether you got the item or not so you could actually choose we'll give it out on your behalf or you can give it out personally because i i also knew that it really depends on where you live Cully baggy mm. you're not going to find many people experiencing homelessness however belfast you are but even my, my whole thing was if only 30 percent of the people actually give out the product there's 30 percent more interactions with people in the street that wouldn't have existed if this model didn't and is there any way for you to measure those interactions or does it just happen off in the ether or do people, is there a way for people to get back to you and say, I did this and this is what happened? So we very much have been a kind of social media driven company. So that's where, whether it's DMs or stories through email, we've had hundreds upon hundreds of stories of people and how it's kind of changed their perception of homelessness and who they give out to. And I think that for me is the most exciting part because it's like, I wanted outside in to be a movement that goes beyond myself for my team. It's very much something that, and I still see changing how we view business fashion and also how we empower society to care about the people living on their streets. So I think the storytelling element is what's going to drive the company long-term. Um, but that's kind of the most exciting part is seeing how people's view of homelessness has changed from it. See, that's absolutely fascinating because entrepreneurs say, you know, you got to find a gap in the market, but the gap that you find 
I guess was maybe not in the market, but it was a gap between people. It was a gap, a gap between homeless people who are generally unseen and the people who walk past them. And and you're managing to some extent to bridge that gap. Yeah, so we always would have said we're bridging the gap between society and those in the street. And even if you look at our name outside in, it's about bringing those in the outside of society in. But when I was sitting in those streets in Edinburgh, my whole thing when I looked up, I, I didn't feel angry at the people. There was a righteous anger of like, this isn't right. But I also looked and believed, I believe people care. They just don't know how to help. And mm. I think that is the very essence of Outside In. We are that bridge of showing people how they can help, whether that means down the line businesses, we can inspire them to re-look at their business model and how they can give back, whether it's society, whether it's schools and helping with kids to understand more about homelessness so it actually helps prevent homelessness. I see Outside In as an umbrella term, not just as a streetwear clothing company. I believe it's going to inspire a different way of making a difference um, and inspiring other people to do so. So let me take you through so far. I've been jotting down what I see as your inspirations. One is photography itself. Two is Humans of New York, that that project. Um, and who was that project by? That Who's the photographer? Humans of New York was Brandon Stratton. Brandon Stratton. Uh then we've got Tom Shoes Company run by Blake Makowski, another inspiration. I've also put your mum down there too, because uh, she hadn't given you that room you're sitting in. Um, <laughs> yeah, none of this would ever have happened. What about uh, outside the business? A thing I hear from entrepreneurs is that it's 24-7, you think of nothing else. Do you have any outside interests? Have you been able to indulge them over the last year of lockdown or not? Um, yes, I think different ones in terms of I love I've started reading a lot more of like other founders of companies to understand like how they started things off and I think we're a lot of us are in the house a lot more I do love um going for walks um playing chess when you're talking about the the books first have you read any particularly good ones that have stuck in your mind yes so Simon Sinek um starts with oh yeah really good book and that kind of always challenged me to constantly go back to the core reason of what I was doing um, and continually, I'm still kind of challenging the team to constantly look at like, right, before we do this decision, whether it's Instagram or website, what's the heart behind that motive? Um, and then I loved, I've read, um, is it the Shoe Dog one by the founder of Nike? Right. It's amazing. Uh, I, don't, I don't know that one. So Shoe first of all, then, Simon Sinek, it starts with why, and then Shoe Dog. Uh, um, that's by the founder of Nike. Yeah. And I love the Let, Let My People Go Surfing um, by um, pa- the Patagonia one as well. And so business books, people who have done what you are now doing, that's your main reading material, is it? Yeah, so whether it's – I think I look at big companies and it's like I want outside in to be big, not so that it's something that I personally benefit off. I think it's more that I, we can leave a legacy in terms of can we actually reverse – homelessness it's one of those things Mm. constantly is growing around the world they say over 200 million people are impacted by homelessness within northern ireland alone they can only kind of have statistics at the minute up till 2018 it's 55,000 people are impacted by that and that's not including hidden homelessness so i think for me i look at these massive companies who make massive profit and they do give back with their corporate social responsibility but i very much see outside in as purpose driven first so it's like we want to do good but how can we afford to do it? How can we make a business model that creates profit and allows us to do so? So I look at these models as inspiration for how they have maybe created um, brands that are so well-known across the world, whether it's 
Nike, um, every city you go to, you either see a pair of sneakers or a pair, a t-shirt or a hoodie with Nike logo on it. And I want Outside In to be that logo that you see and straight away, you know that there's a given element attached to it. Um, all of the companies you mentioned do have a very strong brand, and but also in the early days, they certainly seem to have a very strong kind of holistic vision. Patagonia and getting outdoors, Nike obviously, and you know fitness running that they have something to hang it all on. It's yeah. not just about making money. No, and I think that's kind of why I think Patagonia really inspired me because it started with Yvonne Chouinard and he was like a mountain climber um, and he very much needed better equipment when he was out hiking and when he was mountain climbing. So he actually was like, well, there's nothing there, so I'm going to make it for myself. So he very much benefited from the products he made himself. Same with um, Nike, the founder very much was a runner, wanted better shoes so he could yeah, run faster. Yeah, that's what I mean. Mm. Yeah, so I think... It comes from a passion, a personal place, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think that's kind of the motivator that drove them. Whether and, and both books you read, you see of the really tough times. Um, mm. you, in Nike, you see how many times they nearly went bankrupt or they didn't have enough money to pay staff. And I think mm. you look at those moments, and I think I look in the past five years, and although we're a lot smaller, there's so many moments where you could just pack it all in and you could be like, is it really worth it? But because mm. of your why and because there's a purpose driven behind the business, it doesn't matter about those moments because you know actually this is making a difference and I, I look back to my first year there was one week I think we made zero sales for a week and it was one of the toughest times because I had only started companies like this isn't actually working and I, I remember the week before I had made some product or made some sales so I, I was giving out the products from that week onto the street and I remember chatting to some people experiencing homelessness in Belfast and kind of telling them my my, my trouble of like oh it's been a really tough week in terms of People, it just doesn't feel like people are clicking with it. And these are relationships I've built. And they were the ones that had kind of really encouraged me to keep going. They're like, David, there's value in what you're doing. We believe in it. And it's just in those moments, bringing you right down to the core value of why you're doing it when it's people that you know that are being impacted by your model made it worth it for me. And I think the same when I look at those books, whether it was runners, whether it was mountain climbers, they saw the benefit to what they were doing and how it impacted lives. And I think that's why it doesn't matter if you're having a tough week or month, it's worth mm -hmm. it. It's a fascinating thing that you can be at a low moment and suddenly from quite unlikely places, you get encouragement that keeps you going. So I'm going to add there those anonymous homeless people who, mm. who stopped you from packing it in to your yeah. list. You also mentioned their uh, chess and walking. Uh, we'll, we'll go through two of those before we wrap this up. What about chess? I well, right. I have to take a little bit of credit to Netflix and the Queen's Gambit. Yeah. Okay. So this I, is interesting to me because I'm in. I may be in exactly the same boat as you here, but you tell yeah. me your chess story. So basically, I watched the Queen's Gambit, and chess has always been one of those games that has I've always found really interesting because I'm like I love strategy. I love I, my yeah. brain very much thinks five steps ahead, and sometimes I need people telling me like, right, David here's where you actually are at the minute like be realistic so it was one of those things when I watched that show um, and I got to see kind of when she's staring at the ceiling and she's envisaging the next place I was like I want to be able to do that it's not that I was going to be able to see it on my ceiling but I think it really made me think there's so much strategy and like dreaming and forward thinking in this game and it was like straight away I was like I have to try this so Christmas time so, I bought myself so you hadn't played chess before you just never put yourself a set and started learning it yeah, I started learning it. So I've been doing a lot of lessons around that. Um, like Are you on chess.com? 
I am indeed, yes. Mm. Well, I'll have up, to yeah. hook up with you on there because I had a, some, I played chess as a child, uh, played with my dad, and then I guess probably never played for maybe 25, 30 years. Um, and then the Queen's Gambit made me think I need to, so I knew the basic rules, but yeah. I'm still essentially a beginner. And now on chess.com, pretty much every night now, I'll sit and play play one game. So I will find you on there and we can start playing. It is a great, it's a, it's a wonderful thing to do. Though I, it's, it's definitely helped me get through the last, you know, eight weeks of lockdown, I think. A hundred percent. And I think those are the sorts of things that create routine or create, like, I think it's really important because kind of what you were saying about being a serial entrepreneur, these entrepreneurs, like, I think one thing I've really learned is rest is so important and switching off. Like if I really yeah. want to be creative and I really want to um, see outside in become a global company, it's so important I switch off and, and, and totally think about something else. And do you sleep well at night? Do you go over to sleep easily? I fall asleep in three, four seconds. Every yeah. Night. Yeah. So, so I'm also blessed in that way. And um, now that my children are bigger, I, I get to sleep in a bit in the morning as well until maybe eight o'clock or so. And it is, it's unbelievable, I find, the difference between being well-slept and not well-slept, especially as I get older. In my 20s and maybe even into my early 30s, you know, I could function fine on, on much less sleep. But now it completely impacts fundamentally on my mood, my outlook, my productivity. And, and it's, it has become, it started to become one of the most important things for me to get a good night's sleep. I agree. And I feel like it's something we maybe is when we're younger, we kind of like take it for granted if we can stay up till one or two in the morning and get up ready for mm. day at eight o'clock. But I think now is something is I, I just really enjoy that time when I switch off. I've been like, right, going to play chess, going to cook some food, going to go for yeah. a walk. And then I, I get to get a good night's sleep as well. What age are you now? So I'm 28. Well, you're still a young, a young uh, slip of a thing. I'm, uh, I'm 44 now, so um, I'm definitely starting to feel the years starting to catch up with me a little bit. Although I do, um, you mentioned as one of your final inspirations. Uh, let me just jot down chess there, and I'll read them all out to you at the end. Uh, you like walking on the north coast, is that right? Yeah, so I, I think it's kind of become a bigger hobby over the last year because I haven't been able to travel. Um, usually it would be going to see different sites around the world, like always has been so fascinating. But I think we have so much scenery in Northern Ireland that we take for granted. Um, and I think lockdown has really, I know when there's maybe been restrictions and stuff, it's been hard to get to some of the landmarks. But um, anytime my girlfriend's been able to come over, I think it's given me a new appreciation for a lot of what we have here, whether it's Tullymore Forest or the, um, whether it's the North Coast and the kind of down by Musselden Temple. I just think there's so much beautiful scenery. And for me, places where I can be away from social media, um, away mm -hmm. from signal is nearly my best friend because it means that I can properly not look at my phone. I'm totally taken in the environment around me. And I think those are the best times that I get to switch off and also dream. We are extraordinarily blessed here in this part of the world. I mean, obviously, there are astonishingly beautiful places all over Europe. But the thing is, uh, there's quite a lot of distance between them. There's, you know, there's a lot of traveling in France to go from mountains to sea or, you know, whereas here you've got the Fermanagh Lakes, you've got the Mourns, you've got the North Coast, all within an hour's drive, which which is it's pretty unique, really. Yeah, and I feel like... 
you could go somewhere different every single weekend for the whole year and you'd still be fascinated every single time you go. There's so much diversity in lakes and um, yeah, even Newcastle was somewhere I hadn't been too much. And I think that was somewhere I realized like around the Mourns, there's even so much places to stop, like the Bloody Bridge and Silent Mm. Valley and the Mourns. There was just so much diversity, even in that small area. Well, uh, I'm going to read you out the inspirations that I have uh, jotted down here. Uh, From the top, once again, photography, uh, Humans of New York, um, Tom Shoe Company, your mum, various books by entrepreneurs like Simon Sinek, uh, The Shoe Dog Book by the Nike founder, Let My People Go Surfing by the founder of Patagonia, the homeless people who convinced you to continue with this company and this project, The Game of Chess and walking is that a fair summation of it that's a really good summary of my inspirations well this has been a really fascinating podcast for me i'm sure it will be for our, our listeners too uh, i want to wish you all the very best and, and it was just a, a fantastic mission that you're on there um i will check outside in out myself uh this very evening what, what's the website address for it so the website is www.weroi.com so www.weroi.com. Um, thank you very much indeed. I look forward to checking that out. I look forward to hopefully meeting you in the flesh sometime when the restrictions are ended. Yes, you're very welcome to come and see the offices and see how we do it. I'll, I'll make a trip down to Collie Yes. <laughs> but no, listen, it's been an absolute pleasure. Great talking to you, David Johnston from Outside In. Thank you very much for joining Thanks, Declan.